0: Hey your girl to she down Marty, they now. Your girlfriend's safe at this Luna. One gas the other is
1: gay. What I, what I don't like about the implication of that theme song is that because i'm asian that we i'm I'm less sexually threatening to, to 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 a woman that's just wrong i'm so sexually threatening it's crazy good morning everybody welcome to the smodco internet radio network's nooner podcast i'm a host my name is marty i'm here uh sitting across from me is ernie ernie is um i, I guess i should take a picture but he's uh out of the hospital, and he's doing much better. Um, And, oh, well, I'm not going to take, no, you don't need to see my closet. Uh, But um, he's here, and uh, the two seats uh, that are also opposite me are empty. Kruger uh, flaked out, well, I don't know if he flaked out. He said he probably couldn't make it. And then Mickey, at the last minute, um, said that he had some bad fruit um late last night. And I don't know if that's a euphemism. You millennials, you kids, let me know what that means. What does it mean having bad fruit? You can join in the conversation at Nooner Podcast on the Twitter, noonerpodcast at gmail.com, and um follow us at podcast.com where Tyson and Darren maintain a Tumblr page. So far it's going to show nothing because I've said nothing so far. Um <clears throat> I'll have the Twitter, I mean, not the Twitter, the, the Skype machine on if people want to call in. That's nooner Podcast um, on the Skype machine. And uh, let's see, in the news today, I want to give a shout out to all those people in Florida, Georgia, South Carolina who survived Hurricane Irma, uh, but unfortunately you probably can't hear me because millions of you have no power, but huzzah, the, uh, the damage was not as bad as predicted and... The, um, the storm surge was not as severe, and uh, only 11 people died, which is pretty, or that so far that they know of, uh, which is pretty miraculous, and I think there's uh, a lot that needs to be said about emergency planning. So um, congrats to uh, all that, the people who were involved in that. So um, it could have been a lot worse, just ask the people of Bangladesh who lost over a thousand people with the uh recent monsoon flooding. Um, and my heart goes out to Richard Branson, um, who could have lost a bunch of his precious burgundies and Bordeaux, but he holed up in his with his crew in his uh um wine cellar and but I guess uh, he his he owns an his own island in the Caribbean, uh which he bought for only hundred and forty thousand dollars. A veritable bargain, and he um he survived okay, and he had his whole entire um all the people living on the island uh, huddled with him in the wine cellar getting drunk. Not bad if you're going to suffer through a hurricane. Um, and then during the past couple weeks, we've had other news about the Russia investigations, uh, Trump's capitulation to the Democrats, escalating threats. With the North Koreans, Venezuelans, Iranians, and the Myanmarians—I don't know if you know that there's a uh, there's a, a, a racial cleansing going on, in, or ethnic cleansing going on in Myanmar, with 400,000 um, refugees, Muslim refugees being expelled from the country. Um, and uh, the North Koreans have threatened with missiles. Venezuelans have installed the dictator. Uh, Trump has hinted just yesterday that he wants to get aggressive with iran and uh, and you know just so to put that in perspective Iran has twice uh is twice the size of Afghanistan with fifteen times the the gdp uh, so the, for all the bluster he has that would be a just a big fucking nightmare if we got into it with Iran um And, I mean, there's just so much going on in the news. But I wanted to bring everything back to the criminal justice system because there's a story that didn't get uh, much attention. Uh, Leslie Van Houten was just recommended for uh, parole. She was a suburban middle-class white teenager who grew up just a couple miles from here in Altadena. Um, And as a teenager, she took a bunch of drugs and hooked up with this fellow named um, Charles Manson. And she was, uh, involved at the age of 19 in a murder of, um, two, let's see, uh, it was a couple and, um, they were stabbed to death, the, the Gary Hinman, um, and his, uh, shoot, or I, no wait, hold on, I'm sorry, no, it's the, La, the, the LaBiancas, um, they were a couple and, um, Oh, shit. I I am so ill-prepared today. It's it's just pathetic. But anyhow, point being, she was um, held down pillows over their faces while the other parts of Charles Manson's cult, for those of you who don't know, he was a somewhat of a cult leader, never actually uh, killed people, but still uh, instructed people, his followers, to kill people, including Roman Polanski's wife, Sharon Tate, while she was eight months pregnant. Um, but... Leslie Van Houten was one of the higher-ups in this cult, and then she held down um, these people with a, a pillow over their faces while they were stabbed to death, and she was sentenced to life in prison. And um, now she's at the ripe age of, uh, I think, 68 or something, and she uh, was up for parole, and she was just um, granted parole, but she could still uh, be den- be kept in prison if the governor so chooses, which happened the first time she was up for parole. So my question is, uh, oh, and by every um, measure, she's a model prisoner. She has helped other prisoners while uh, she's been uh, incarcerated, and she's uh, educated herself and has become good friends with John Waters, of all people. Uh, Now, my question is, when do people um when have they paid their debt to society and is that um is however many years she's been in prison 40 something years is that uh is that enough um especially if she has by all other mention by all measures is a model member of society uh of course what she did is horrible and it's uh and she participated in a murder, and there's no denying that. But does um, does keeping her in prison stop her from doing it again, or does it uh, hinder other people from doing it? Uh, for instance, in other countries, they don't have such um, such s- uh, harsh penalties. In in Norway, the maximum penalty under Norwegian law was 21 years, uh, but most um, even for murder and most people serve 14 years if they are re- receive the maximum penalty uh, so you, you, there was a Vigo Christensen who raped and murdered somebody um, and was sentenced to um, 21 years And um, but then they did change that law uh, they did put um, they did change the law when that, that guy uh, killed all those people um the uh see if I had somebody here to look up stuff, or better yet had i prepared i would uh I would not be fumbling around for words point being they they're fine their their society is fine with okay, you know the, you committed the worst crime, you are sentenced to twenty one years in prison uh that doesn't mean i i imagine that they have um mental health laws that that prevent. Putting insane people on the street, which is totally different, and I think that that uh, having uh, imprisoning people who are just a threat to society because they are mentally ill is different from putting someone in prison because you're punishing them for a a willful act. And when we when we depend on this one system to administer justice, inevitably injustices happen and then we feel like oh the system is flawed so you know if we if we expect people to uh, or, or the the justice system to to be just we we see that it's unjust in that a lot of people go away for a long period of time uh for minor crimes and and we've talked about that but then there are people like brock turner who was uh who raped someone he was the the um uh Let's see. When was this? Uh, Jesus! Oh, he was a Stanford swimmer who who uh, raped somebody out, outside of a party, and then ended up uh, getting six months in prison. You know, he was a he was a a, a Olympic level swimmer who was at a very uh, fancy university, rich parents, and uh, he that's all he had to do was just six months in prison, which is pretty outrageous. And then there are people like. Um, Dan, oh, Vince Neil is a great example. So in 1984, he was drunk and he rammed his car while drunk and on drugs into a Volkswagen killing the passenger, uh, uh, killing the passenger in his car, uh, Razzle Dingley, who was uh, part of Hanoi Rocks, and uh, and injuring the two people in the car that he hit. He spent 15 days in prison or in jail for um, vehicular manslaughter. There were no charges for being under the influence of drugs or alcohol. And um, it's kind of a bastardization of of the justice system. If somebody like that can get away with with a heinous crime like that uh, and somebody else can go to prison for 46 years uh, or however many years Leslie Van Houten was in prison, and make no uh, bones about it. Like what she did was horrible. I just don't know if that's the right way. Uh, tweet in. Let me know what you think. If that, if you think that this is a um, that is a, a a just that we have a just system, or whether we put too much stock in the prison system to for to administer justice, whether we should become a more forgiving people. Uh, and then also, I think that a lot of uh, a lot of people who go through these crimes, they they suffer and um, having you know if they go through prison. But I don't think we should expect the justice system to to give us uh, to settle our our sort of our consciences about other people's crimes. Uh, it, it just inevitably ends up in injustices like um, Ethan Couch, the guy who drunk drove and plowed into a crowd of innocents. Uh, and then because he was rich, he suffered from affluenza. He would not fare well in, in uh, prison. He got off with no con- very few consequences. And and even then he couldn't uh, stick to those ones. Um, uh, he was told that he couldn't drink. And of course he went on and drunk, uh, got drunk again and then went on the run in Mexico. Um, and that would... At that point, we would have a discussion. And if you want to, you can call in uh, on on uh, the Skype machine, and it is completely empty. That's fine. Um, and Ernie has nothing to say about that. He was in an oxygen tank for 16, or like a sort of incubate, oxygen incubator thing for six days. So he knows all about incarceration, and he is definitely, he finds it cruel and unusual. But he's better now, so that's that's all that matters. Um obviously we're not gonna go the full two hours, so there's just no no way. There was a study done in uh at Stanford, and it was um they were trying to figure out whether there was that whether AI, uh artificial intelligence could uh determine based on photos whether someone was gay or straight. So they uh, went to a dating website, and based on how people self-identified as being gay or straight, um, they looked at all these photos, and they found that this AI was eighty-one mo- percent more eighty-one uh, percent able to determine whether a guy was gay and seventy-one percent whether a woman was gay. And to my defense, just because I had a uh, a dick in my mouth doesn't mean i was gay so that was that was a a, a miss on their fault on their part but no apparently the, it uses um they they found that that gay men's uh chins were were their faces were thinner uh and um they they are just certain facial features that that uh, supposedly gay people have that that they that the ai found um of course Glad and LGBTQ awareness uh, advocacy organizations called it junk science, and they think it's bullshit. Uh, I, I don't know. I think it's an interesting... Um, oh, and they, they, the scientists, they responded to it, saying that, you know, uh, our findings could be wrong. Um, d- despite evidence to the contrary, we hope that we are wrong. However, scientific findings can only be debunked by scientific data and replication, uh, not by well meaning lawyers and communication officers lacking scientific training, and I think that is um that is an interesting response so the, the it their goal wasn't really to out gay people it was um it was just to it was an a i experiment to see whether um face detection technology could find could uh detect uh subtle differences and I think that's a, a the experiment they had was really um smart and uh, but it does pose these sort of ethical questions of, okay, now that you found this, what do you do with it? And do you then go out and start profiling people, uh, based on these sort of facial features? Uh, I don't think that's a good idea, but I think, um, we're gonna, we, the, the point is we have this AI technology, uh, and we can do all sorts of things with it, um, and, You know, is it going to get into lie detection? Is it going to get into um, sort of uh, crime profiling, minority report type stuff? And I don't think that's good, but I think it's important that we understand it and and explore what we can do with it. Um, And then we get into, and then we can also at the same time have discussions about privacy and um, invasions of said privacy. Uh, And then at this point, um, I ask Ernie, Ernie, what do you have to say? Um, yeah, he's, he's, uh, not really opinionated about this subject. Oh. And then who comes to the rescue? Darren. Hey. How goes it?
0: It goes well. Would, um, it's huh? always odd because I'm on a slight delay, so I'm still hearing you talking about um, something like from five minutes ago.
1: Oh well, I was what was I talking about five minutes ago?
0: <laughs> You're talking about AI, and um, yeah, still're we'll still: we'll still
1: we're still there. We're still, I think we're it's still more on like that. 90 seconds. Now what do you think about the, the ethics of, of this? So, so the scientists are saying, like, you know you can complain about that this is junk science, but this is our data, and this is what we found. Our AI can detect with much greater than chance whether someone is gay or not based on their photos do you think that that's dangerous i
0: mean i to me it just feels like kind of like phrenology all over again doesn't it i mean
1: well but phrenology has been debunked so phrenology is a study of bumps on the head and they would say oh well if you have a bump right here that means that you uh that you're a, a sociopath and if you have a bump here you've got a great libido this is not this is saying something that is already been reported so it's saying that this person is on this dating site as straight or gay and the ai is saying okay i'm looking at your photo and you're you're gay or you're not and with a startling uh degree of accuracy so i think that is a that is a a study worth worthy of I mean if the statistics are robust then that's better than phrenology
0: yeah I mean i I, I mean what was the sample size would be my first question and then
1: uh, you know yeah they they had a a thousand men with um, with uh, at least five uh, photographs okay <laughs> yeah
0: so I mean that's a sizable amount of yeah I mean I to me, it's one of those things where, obviously, that you know, the information that someone is gay that's being provided by the people who are providing the photographs, isn't it? So.
1: Yeah, yeah, and they weren't necessarily part of uh, volunteered to be in the experiment. They were actually on a dating site. Yeah. So. The, I mean, yeah, they they didn't have any. Um, they had no reason to hide their sexuality.
0: No. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, if it was, if it could, I mean, you know, obviously you'd have to do more than just this one kind of trial, but you know, if it can figure this kind of out to, you know, I think, was it what like 90% accuracy was kind of the average, wasn't it? Uh,
1: it got up to, yeah, 90% based on the AI got better. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I just question it as like, what, what exactly what is the purpose of, you know, figuring this out. You know, right? Who 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 would need to use this? You know, yeah. <laughs> well, but, I mean, for what purpose? Right. Would someone want to use this AI? And well, I who think, would be sending the data. And you know,
1: I think the the scientists were not interested interested in figuring it. You know, coming up with an AI gadar, but they were saying, okay, what's what's uh what's a, a problem that we can look at with a large sample size? Okay, dating sites are are great great places to find out uh to there's so much information in them and so we have these photos and then what can we look for oh well here's something that's binary you know gay or straight gay or straight and we know that they're being honest because they're on a dating site so yeah then i think that was probably the motivation more than it was that they w- wanted to solve uh any, any sort of you know gaydar problem um yeah but so then then, yeah, you're right. The question is, what do you do next? And I think what you do next is then come up, you look for more practical problems where you can do things with. And I think because we yeah. have all these computers that do all these deep learning, uh, we want, you're look constantly looking for, for problems to solve that you can gauge whether they're the the deep learning is accurate. And this is one where they could. And so then I think they'll keep finding other ones. And then at the same time, you do have to address the whole invasion of privacy issue.
0: Yeah, cuz if these people didn't know like I'm I'm it's fine if people put themselves forward to take part in some kind of you know uh, experiment but if if basically their data is just being scraped and and used to test out, you know, some kind of AI then you do have to say well, you know, what where is the kind of morality in that, you know, like just kind of invading these people's privacy, although obviously they've put themselves onto a dating site but at the same time, they didn't put themselves on, their da- on a dating site to be, uh, you know, looked at by scientists. They, you know, th- that wasn't what they were
1: looking to be used for. Right, exactly. Yeah, uh, which is, uh, I think, why it, it makes it really good data to, to, to mine through, you know. Uh, but uh, yeah. obviously, these, ind- these, pe- these people were not outed in any way. They, they, didn't, they didn't explore the, the, their private information. It, it was all done anonymously. Uh-huh. I think
0: it would also be harder to then to take that and say, can it can it be applied to people who haven't declared their sexuality? Could you just take it to, you know, apply the same technology to just a, a random pictures and see how accurate it is? Because then you might have people who don't want right. to reveal their sexuality.
1: Right, right.
0: Um, so how, that becomes a little harder to do, doesn't it?
1: Uh, yeah, yeah. I think the, they'll find more interesting... Uh, applications for deep learning, but, uh, this is a proof of concept, I guess, of sorts. Uh, how are things yeah. in Wolf Amsterdam? Uh,
0: I mean, it's, <laughs> it's been a bit rainy, um, you know, and then it was quite sunny today and, uh, and that's kind of pretty much what it's like over here during September. Um, you know, is you get, you get uh, four or five different seasons over the space of a weekend.
1: Oh, well, that's kind of fun here. It's just been hot. And, uh, and have you um have you done any interest anything interesting over the summer
0: um i mean
1: oh we just saw so i mean that over the summer we just lost you and that will continue for the next two years or so wait oh you say you that you lost one, me yeah say that one more time
0: i i started a podcast about prince over the summer
1: oh that's right
0: doing going through his uh discography
1: and what's it called again
0: uh prince track by track uh
1: and is it really song by song or is it album by album
0: no it's song by song Uh so it's gonna take gonna take me until may 2019 to get all the way
1: through it oh there's so many unreleased songs that you haven't reached yet you know
0: yeah well i mean i i limit it to just the songs that he he wanted released while he was alive so
1: well, um, we'll see I'm how not you. Gonna, I'm
0: you, not going to delve into the vault because we'll that's see just how you two feel
1: months. in 2019 when you're like uh, when you're running, well yeah <laughs> when you're running dry yeah,
0: yeah. Um, although you know still that's like 18 months away a lot can happen as we've seen if you go back 18 months you know a lot's happened in the last 18 months so
1: that's uh, true yeah uh, we'll see
0: how I feel once we get to May 2019 about that
1: so yeah. you. Uh, we were talking about Louis C.K. the last episode and what a uh, how creepy he is and how he has to answer for uh, some of the accusations that have been uh, leveled against him. You remember that?
0: Yeah, I do. Yes. Yeah.
1: Do you have an opinion about that?
0: Uh, I mean, all I would say is, you know, obviously there comes like a tipping point where there's, you know, this is something that's been going on for what? five, six years, there's been these kind of like blind item things Mm -hmm. around various sites on the internet. And, you know, only recently have people kind of explicitly named him. Um, And, you know, when it comes to something where, you know, you, you reach a kind of point where you have to say to yourself, well, either he has to address the allegations and kind of, you know, say that they're false, or, you know, you have to kind of figure out, you know, what to do with him um you know and and i think i i mean i don't know if we're at the, that tipping point yet but i mean it certainly feels like um it it's something that kind of people need to you know think about when it comes to like consuming his art
1: yeah yeah i i obviously i i don't know if if uh exposing yourself in front of comics rises to the level of of uh what Roman Polanski or Woody Allen um did um or uh, certainly not Bill Cosby um but the, it's a continuum and and it the entire continuum is a little creepy uh or starting from a little creepy going to get that person in prison um yeah and uh, and I
0: mean, I mean with Cosby you know it's one of those things where apparently people knew for years and yet they they kind of it was just like an inside joke. And it wasn't until Hannibal Buress kind of decided to just kind of say outright exactly what the inside joke was and kind of made it explicit that people actually addressed it. Yeah, and I, I think it's kind of similar to, you know, maybe it, Louis C.K. needs to, you know, think about his own behavior and kind of address that before it becomes, you know, something uh, criminal or anything like that.
1: Well, this past week uh, at the Toronto International Film Festival, Louis C.K. Uh, released a, or he premiered his latest movie called "I Love You, Daddy," which was shot in black and white on thirty-five millimeter film, uh, which is rare in this day and age. Uh, it's very sort of old school cinema stuff, um, and it uh, it was shot in New York. He shot it. Basically, in secret, nobody really knew about this movie until um, until it premiered, and it uh, it it is about a TV writer played by Louis C.K., who um, whose teenage daughter played by um, Chloe Grace Moretz um, is being she's seventeen in the movie. She's being seduced by John Malkovich, who is playing a Woody Allen-like director who uh, is unabashedly known to seduce teenage women uh, throughout his adult life. Um, yeah. And so the movie is about how Louis uh, Louis C.K.'s character sort of comes to grips with this and, and deals with it as a parent. And um, and apparently, you know, it's a it's it's a very polarizing movie. Some people find it just abhorrent, um, and that he's uh, that he's sort of rolling, like sort of. Im- he's not addressing the the creepiness of it. The, the goal, the the basic whole uh, theme of the story is that we're all creeps in some degree, to some degree. Uh,
0: yeah, I think and, that's something he said publicly anyway about like, right? You know, if you, if you don't have some kind of you know odd thoughts, then you're not a normal person. Uh, or okay, something that, like that's, that yeah. paraphrasing
1: yeah no that that's exactly true i, I, um, I think that uh, yeah so at one point um pamela adlon um oh, wait no uh well one character in the movie finally says in the movie everybody's a pervert and that's fine and and obviously everybody has different turn-ons and and weird um, picadillos but it's how you those things manifest themselves and if yeah. you want to role play with your wife and be like I want to trap you in a room and and masturbate in front of you and and she's like okay that sounds like fun or not my thing but I'm willing to put it up put up with it because I love you and I trust you it's another yeah. thing if it's like okay no it has to be real I have to trap young Comics in a room and masturbate in front of them. Then your perversion goes into like you're invading other people. You're, you're, you know, you're spoiling other people's high. And then yeah. you are, you have to, that's what I think Tignataro was saying. You have to address that. You, you can have whatever perversion yeah. you want, but you have to address what you did to other people. And when these people are saying that we were victimized by your perversion, then, you know, that's what. People, that's what I think needs to be addressed, and I don't know if this movie does this. I haven't seen it. Obviously, I'm not in Toronto, but um, I, I am curious about it. You know, it's it's been um, compared to to Woody Allen's Manhattan, which was done in also done in black and white in what seventy nine or something like that. Uh, where, yeah. where Woody Allen seduces Marylle Hemingway, and she's a nineteen year old, in that. So, there's all sorts of um, There, and it's so funny because at that time, nobody really said it was, well, I don't know. I I don't remember that, but I don't remember. People think fondly back on that movie, (laughs) you know, as creepy as it is. Like, it's creepy, like a 40-something-year-old guy trying to seduce a a 19-year-old girl. Um,
0: I think in the film, he's meant to only be 40. I'm sorry? So... In the in the in Manhattan, I think Woody Allen's character is only meant to be forty. That's forty. He shaved a few years off his age. Term. Forty
1: something. That's that's a the something <laughs> can be zero. That's fine. Um, yeah, I I um, I don't I I am curious to see how like the the some people have found this like really uh, a very sharp movie that that sort of expose like challenges people to to uh. Look inside and, and judge their own uh, perversions before judging others, and that's a that's a valid point. But I think, um, and he he's right. I think that's that's a fun thing to explore. But his if your perversions encroach on other people's, like you know, personal bubble, then then that needs to be addressed. Um,
0: yeah, I mean, I I, I mean, obviously, I. I feel like you should be able to do whatever you feel is good to you, but just don't make that harm anybody else. And
1: right, exactly, you know, exactly, yeah. Respect.
0: You stick to that. Generally, you're okay.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, you can play with Pooh all you want, and uh, Ray Charles, so long as you're not imprisoning people, or not Ray Charles. Shoot, uh, John. Uh, shoot, that that's. In the most racist thing i've said um <laughs> chuck berry uh god yeah. i'm a terrible person uh but don't imprison people <laughs> um and yeah just play it play with it in, on your own you know on your own time um
0: yeah i guess i mean or let people know there are cameras where there shouldn't be cameras
1: right yeah exactly yeah yeah be up front uh the
0: problem- I mean I was going to say speaking of, you know, people's kind of peccadillos, um I didn't know if you were ever going to discuss uh, Ted Cruz's
1: um Oh, uh, yeah, so you want to tell people what happened last night?
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, Ted Cruz apparently liked a a tweet from a, a a pornographic Twitter. Um and then this morning he blamed it on um s- some some staffing problems. A staffing
1: issue. Yeah yeah uh i mean they're yeah. so so yeah that's it's really funny so yeah there was a a a clip that was posted a two minute clip for um i forget what the site was um oh real I, I
0: think sexual posts Re- yeah so, <laughs> but
1: but it was for a reality king's video and, yeah and, and yeah so like at least he didn't do the uh the uh what's the guy's name um uh, Anthony Weiner thing and say that his <laughs> Twitter was hijacked because if you were to hijack uh, Ted Cruz's um, Twitter, like the last thing you want to do or the the if the best you could come up with is I'm going to like a porn thing. <laughs> that's pretty weak <laughs> yeah. sauce. Uh,
0: well, but- especially because to find out what someone has liked, you really have to. It's not something that's like right up front on the feed or anything. You really have to go dig in to find people's likes. So yeah. it, it would be really kind of like, I don't, I don't know, just kind of low key to kind of be like, I've hacked into Ted Cruz's Twitter. I'm going to like this one post. <laughs> <and message laughs> it. yeah. it's, like, it's like the most kind of like low key villainous hacker kind of, I mean, you know, Johnny Lee Miller would do better than that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the So obviously, well, I, I don't know. Who knows? He He might be telling the truth. Maybe somebody was logged into his Twitter uh a staffer was logged into the Twitter but uh, Craig Mazin uh who's a screenwriter and a director I don't know what he's he's done I could look it up oh he no did he, the, he did the hangover
0: superhero movie and um he, he did uh, identity thief um,
1: oh okay he, and and he wrote he um, hangover um, part 2 and part 3 yeah uh, yeah um so they were f- roommates in freshman year of uh at Princeton and and yeah. Mason has been very public about how much he hates uh Ted Cruz and called him an asshole um in 2012 and now he's been posting uh the past couple of days he said um wait, what did he say he said uh well, now, now people, now imagine Ted Cruz is doing this—you know, jacking off to mediocre porn, four feet below you in a bottom bunk bed. Yes, my misery very much appreciates your company. Uh, yeah, and yeah, it, it's it's pretty funny, and I don't know, Ted Ted Cruz will be forgotten. I think uh, I, I don't think he'll he'll. Ascend beyond uh, that, but it is funny. It is funny, and it also goes to show you whether it was a staffer that's you know somebody who agrees with Ted Cruz's. Ted Cruz was trying tried to uh, when he was in, in in the Florida legislature. I think he tried to ban the sale of sex toys in Florida, and now yeah, um, he's he did this and like so. Even if it was a staffer, that just means like everybody likes everybody has their perverted side. You're exactly right. Darren,
0: I mean, I think, I think the, I mean, you know, n- kind of knowing a little bit about how Twitter works and stuff, it's impossible, you know, for more than one person to be logged into a Twitter account. If you're on, you know, the Twitter app, you can have multiple accounts that you can log into. Sure. So, you know, I would, I would easily believe, you know, that that one of his staffers, you know, was was just going through. <laughs> You know the various posts on this one particular thing and and you know hit like by mistake and you know i can i can it see that seems slightly more believable than someone hacked in and just liked this one um post and then kind of removed it a couple of hours later it, you know um i just I just <laughs> just find it it's just so i mean it, it doesn't make me like Ted Cruz anymore if that actually was him uh, but it's just kind of believable that you know you know, it, it, this is something that you know could could happen, you yeah. know, if you're not if you're not watching your, your your you know your interns.
1: Yeah, I think the thing is, I I think what it says is, I like, well, I don't think anybody's surprised. Like he's like, yeah, he's he's a little yeah. creepy. He's a I mean, not that it's creepy to watch porn, but you know, it's just like it it confirms that, like I don't know, he would watch porn on his his work computer. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yeah, so in t- 2007, when he was a Solicitor General, he tried to b- ban the purchase of sex toys. Uh, that's crazy. Who gives a... Sh- Jesus. Uh, um, yeah. This weekend, I saw... Are, are you familiar with Hamilton?
0: I'm familiar with Hamilton, yes. Have, have I you, think it's... Has it finally reached the West End over here? I'm not sure. I think it might have.
1: Oh, really? Yeah, well, so the, the first touring company is in L.A. right now. So it's on Broadway in L.A., and it's uh, making shitloads of money. Have you listened to the soundtrack?
0: I haven't. No. Uh,
1: um, it's very popular. Every every uh, junior high schooler and high schooler is knows all the words to all the songs. Um, or every theater nerd, uh, teenager, and I know a, a handful. Like my niece knows all all every word back and forth, backwards and forwards, every song. Um, so I got a chance to see it this weekend, and I had uh, as I got caught up, or I was curious about the hype, and I, I purchased the album, um, you know, last year, uh, and I listened to it a couple times. I was like, okay, that's um, that is a Broadway hip hop musical, and didn't really yeah. think much of it. And uh, so my sister got tickets because it's a very hot ticket item uh and she uh gave me and uh and my wife um a pair of tickets and we went to see it and we were expecting to just not enjoy it but it is actually um and a pretty fantastic play and it the music is is what it is, but it becomes very much part of the story. And all the songs sort of make sense when narrative sense when you're watching it in the context of, uh, of a play, which is obvious, yeah. of course, but like, uh, unlike some other, um, musicals, like, you know, Book of Mormon, you don't have to be on stage to, or be in the theater to appreciate those songs. Those songs are inherently funny. Um, yeah. a lot of the, the Hamilton stuff is only, um, only works in the context of seeing the whole story and the dancing was amazing and the staging was amazing it was it was one of the great the great greatest uh, theater experiences i I've, I've i've had and it was, it was good because i was uh i went in with such low expectations which is silly because it what did win all those awards and stuff but <laughs> but you know but what it comes down to is the soundtrack is overrated and the yeah. the actual musical itself is not and I, I so I don't understand all these kids listening to it. And like even my niece who knows the soundtrack, she's like, oh, now I understand these songs better because I've seen the story. You know,
0: I had heard it's one that kind of works better on stage rather than just listening to the songs, which is why I hadn't listened to the songs. Although obviously anyone who has seen it, you know, obviously loves it kind of, you know, quite a lot. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it's not getting over here until the 6th of December. So.
1: Um, oh, there you go. And,
0: yeah, so, you know, it's taken a while to get over here. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah. Um, but I, I, I can't remember if um, Lynn manuel Miranda got the – did he get the Genius Grant before he did this or after he did?
1: we will never know. I can't I can't remember which way
0: around it was. I'm almost certain it was before because I'm sure I remember seeing him on Colbert um, talking about, like, after he got the grant. And um, and then kind of talking about what he was going to do, and he he didn't mention that he was going to do Hamilton, but that was one of the things that he kind of used some of the money to kind of, you know, fund himself while he was coming up with it. Right.
1: Uh, yeah, and I mean, he like it made me appreciate him um, more because like there's so many smart things that he did in the songs with the themes and and just that the, the all the, the wording, it's it's a really smart uh, musical. And it, and it can be hard to follow because everything's going by really quickly, but a lot of things are sort of reiterated and, and done musically so that you don't necessarily need to hear every single word. Um, but, yeah. boy, it's just really, really awesome. And, and you know, I, I mean, as somebody who's done plays, I don't love going to plays. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So that's why I never invited people to see me in plays. Uh, yeah, that's
0: you're not you're not a fan of live theater. Uh, you're just a participant. Yeah, an unwilling it, participant. It's
1: fun to do. It's kind of like Im- well, see, I'm going to get into trouble for this, but like improv comedy. is some like there's the joke. It's like the last thing you want to hear from a friend is come see my improv show, uh, and <laughs> it it's true. And like and so I I yeah. You don't... If
0: anyone asks if anyone says that to you, you should just go yes and
1: uh I see what you did. <laughs> and I I give you a gold star. Um are you um a Radiohead fan?
0: Uh yes. Um I mean I think the last I, I remember buying um Kid A and uh what was the other one? Amnesiac. I remember buying both of those when they like came out. Uh-huh. Um, like on the day of release, um, and I I love uh, I love uh OK Computer. They did that like performance at like uh Glastonbury in like ninety seven, which was kind of amazing.
1: Yeah. Um. Well, if if you liked OK Computer, there was a there was a song that was recorded around there. Um. Uh, it, during that session, uh, the OK Computer sessions, uh, called Lift, and um, it uh was unreleased and then it finally got released as part of the okay computer uh, 20th anniversary release um oh yeah
0: the okay not okay i can't remember how yeah, it was just like a load of
1: that's okay not okay yeah that's yeah, exactly what it it is. Get- yeah and then just this morning they released a very fun video for for that movie yeah. uh, for that song so uh feel free to tune out from this podcast and go watch that video on the youtube. <laughs> it you will you will enjoy it. Uh
0: I mean they're not they're not trying to drown Tom York again or set him on fire. Um, uh,
1: no, it's no. just it's literally him in a lift, which us Americans <laughs> call an escalator. No. Uh we call an elevator. <laughs> an elevator. Yes. Uh, I know that. Oh, oh, look at you. Um yeah. So this summer was the worst uh worst box office in uh summer box office in since like 2012 or something like that. Um uh, did you see all the summer movies?
0: I saw a lot of summer movies. Um I I the most recent films that I saw, I actually did a double bill last Friday and saw The Dark Tower followed by It.
1: Oh, um, look at you Stephen Kinging it.
0: I know. And the dark tower was like the most nothing of a film I've ever seen in my life. That's um, a
1: power.
0: There's like literally nothing going on in that. film, <laughs> um, And it was quite fun apart from, um, I, I guess there's like a general, because I mean, over here it was rated 15, which means anyone 15 and over can see it. And so what happens is you tend to get a lot of like 16 year olds, and 17 year olds in those ah, type of films. Right. And so it, a lot of them have clearly never seen like a horror film at the cinema ever before. The screening I was at was like basically sold out, oh. uh, you know, apart from like the, the rows at the very front, like where it's uncomfortable to sit. Right. And at every, every I mean within the structure of the film, you know, each of the, the losers in the losers club, they see it as a different manifestation. So that means you get introduced to the idea of this, you know, uh, the the thing that is terrorizing them um, like six times. And every single time, <laughs> like the scenes were really well done and it's really well directed and very kind of like tense. But it just meant that the entire kind of audience of 16 and 17 year olds were like overreacting to these kind of scares. And every si- like it got to the point where even if it like a red balloon just appeared on screen. They were all kind of like getting very tense, and, right? And uh, yeah,
1: and it becomes it becomes a type of uh, uh like a, a game of sorts.
0: Yeah, I I, I, I say this if you are going to see it, if anyone is going to see it, I would recommend trying to see like a sold out screening because yeah. I think that did add something. to It, it like, is the, the attention most attention of everyone,
1: right? Yeah, right. And and that's why it it broke box office records this weekend. I think it it is becomes like an event, and they actually in Hollywood they built a haunted house. Like right on Hollywood and Vine, that for people to tour, that, you know, had a, uh, someone with a red balloon or just a red balloon hanging out in front. And it was, it was just creepy to look at. And people were lined up around the block to get to see it. Uh, and it's, it's, it's great. I mean, that's, that's what going to see a movie is all about. I remember seeing aliens in the theater and what was it, 88 or whatever, whatever year it was. Uh, and just like, it just, it was completely packed and everyone was waiting in line. And then just people were just cheering and clapping, you know, at all the right moments. And it's just, it makes the, the, the movie going experience so much fun. Uh, Yeah. Yeah.
0: And you know, that's, that's how, when any when any, you know, director worth their salt, directs a film, you know, um, that's what they, they imagine is they imagine like a sold out Friday night screening with everybody reacting to everything in the right place. and, you know, they don't imagine it to be like you know a straight to DVD release or whatever, do They 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 think of it on the big screen and the crowd reacting. And you know, uh, yeah, it was very fun to see see it like that. And I mean, a couple of weeks before that, um, Terminator Two, for some reason, was out on 3D, uh-huh.
1: and
0: I saw that with a couple of friends, and that was also like an almost sold out screen, and it had kind of the same atmosphere. Oh as, yeah, that's
1: great. Know. Yeah, yeah, when yeah. Uh, seeing you know when the motorcycle just goes into the culvert, you know, in the LA river, like that's such a great iconic uh, thing. And to experience that with a bunch of people must be really fun. Uh, Did it benefit from 3D at all?
0: There were a little, I mean, I don't think the 3D was huge, but you know, there were little touches where it kind of, particularly like, I mean, everyone kind of knows the, you know, Sarah Connor on the fence and the nuclear explosion, you know, that stuff in 3D was really good. A lot of the future stuff was really You know, they'd gone back and they'd kind of redone the effects so that, uh, you know, if you're behind a fence, the fence is kind of like 3D in front of your eyes and stuff. So, you know, they had done a little bit of that kind of stuff. But for the most part, there was no real, uh, you know, they didn't at any point have like the T-1000 turning liquid metal and kind of like shooting out of the screen or anything, which would have been fun if they could have done that. Right. right. I don't think the technology exists for them to be able to go back and do that uh, thing. But yeah, I mean, I, th- I I mean, I find it puzzling that the box office has been so bad because there's been so many like very, very enjoyable films, you know, like a uh, Baby Driver and The Big Sick and Atomic Blonde and Dunkirk and right, you know, War for the Planet of the Apes and Spider-Man: Homecoming and
1: yeah, you know, like the, those are all like really a- w- well reviewed ones too.
0: Yeah, I mean like if you just look at like the Rotten Tomatoes on some of the films of the, you know, even some of the ones from earlier in the year like, you know, Colossal and um, you know, what else was out earlier in the year that was actually good? Uh, Logan, you oh, know, yeah, yeah. Uh, and Logan Lucky as well. Both two films called Logan this year at the cinema. Well, I mean, um, I
1: mean the two sequels haven't come out like so close to each other before, I don't think. You know. I mean, yeah, I know that yeah. was
0: that was amazing. I mean, uh, I couldn't. I couldn't remember seeing Hugh Jackman in that second one, but uh, I'm sure they'll sort that out when they, they complete the trilogy. Right. But yeah, right. and like th- I think the Galaxy third one, two as well, you unites know, them like, all.
1: Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's it's a, a bit of a disappointment, but I'm sure that Hollywood's very happy about it and the upcoming sequel. Now, in it, and this is a spoiler if you care about these things. Um, uh, we famously don't give a shit about spoilers. Uh, well, no, we do. But this one, we I've actually talked about before because it refers to the book. Um, yeah. And does it? Uh, how does it go? Th- did you read the book?
0: Uh, no, I haven't. I'm not. I'm going to be honest with you. I am not really a huge like horror fan, and I'm not really a huge Stephen King fan. Um, which I know makes the idea that I would see two Stephen King films in one day kind of puzzling. But those, were the, those two films just happened to be on at, at times that were convenient for me.
1: I mean, there have um, been some really good Stephen King movie adaptations. You
0: know? Yeah, I'm, I mean, you know, if, if you have 100 Stephen King adaptations, there's going to be 90 that are a pile of shit. So
1: Right, right.
0: You know, so it's, it's always a very kind of dicey prospect. Uh, but Maximum, no, I haven't, I haven't read the book.
1: We're talking about um, you, Maximum Overdrive.
0: <laughs> and he actually directed that as well. That's yes. the that's the fun
1: thing. Uh, yes. Uh, Under the influence of a lot of cocaine, according to him.
0: Oh. Yeah. And um, it
1: shows. Um
0: But you but, were gonna say the spoiler.
1: Oh yeah. So in the book, and, and I guess they've split it up into two uh two movies, and I, I don't know how closely it hews to the the book, but we talked about that the uh there's a, a scene in the book where um these pre adolescent these eleven year old kids have uh sex in the sewers, like group sex like they all have sex with the girl uh, I guess you would call that a gangbang, and this is part of uh the way that uh, they unite um, to uh, after their first battle with uh, pennywise um yeah and you know it, it it's really weird <laughs> and <laughs> it, it, and Stephen King has, he said, like, I just uh, add that it's fascinating to me that there's been so much comment about that single sex scene and so little about the multiple child murders. That must, must mean something, but I'm not sure what. You know what it means? It means that you're kind of a creep. Like, like <laughs> if you think that, like, okay, the multiple child murders are at the hands of Pennywise or whatever, that, whatever bullshit thing you just came up with that, that is Pennywise – like, that is the villain of the the piece. So we already have an opinion, okay, you're the villain. The reason why we have this, we're fascinated with this because it's like, these are kids, why are they having a gangbang? Like, wh- why? They're 11-year-old kids and you being the, the deus of the, whatever, deus ex machina, like the, being the god with the pen... Why did you write that? Why did you think that, like eleven, like this poor girl having sex with four other guys or five other guys? Oh, I'm sorry, six other guys. Yeah, uh, six. I was gonna say, yeah, <laughs> the six in the it, film. At like, least. Did, Why is that the the uh, the thing that is important to you to bring them together? Like, why eleven year olds don't do that? Um.
0: Yeah. I mean in the in the in the film obviously they don't they don't do that <laughs> um, because I I can't have seen it have got got in a rating if it, it would have had that in there um, but I was going to say the funniest moment for me while I was at the cinema watching that film was when the end credit title came up and it said it once more cuz obviously you know it said that at the beginning as well and then it went chapter 1 and I, I, you've never heard like 200 people just go,
1: oh, all at once. <laughs> and it's just so,
0: it was so funny to me because I was like, oh, that's like, that's the, it was the second best kind of like reveal that there was going to be a sequel that I'd seen all year. And the first was, I went and saw um, Fifty Shades Darker on, on the Friday night opening weekend because, right. you know um, what, I was
1: going to say something judgmental, but you know what, everyone's a little perverted. So go on.
0: Yeah. But but mainly because it's so fun to sit in a cinema of like 300 women, you know, who have high expectations for this, you know, what is obviously going to be a bad film. But that film finishes with like basically a two minute teaser for the, the, the kind of the end of the trilogy for that. And some people in the cinema didn't seem to realize that. And so the film kind of ends on a cliffhanger and then this <laughs> teaser started and then it was like Valentine's Day 2018. And they were all like, "Oh!" And it was like so. Funny and you're just, just like, like
1: you're just like, "Welcome to Empire Strikes Back, bitches!"
0: Uh, <laughs> yeah, and that, well, that's what it did make me think. It's like, "I okay, how, how would these people have coped in like 1980 when Empire Strikes Back finishes?" You know, they would have all been sitting there going, what what's what, you know, kind of wondering what the the next scene is and when that's coming, and you know, it just go straight to the music." But yeah, uh, that was really funny. There's just the fact they it went it and then went chapter chapter one. Um, oh, which incredible. I was already aware of, because obviously there had been rumblings that they were going to film the two sequels together. But it, you know, Warner Bros. didn't have that much faith in this film, apparently, um, that they didn't think it would justify a sequel. So um. Uh, um,
1: that's funny. Uh, well, the trailer just came out, um, so ladies, you can get a little taste of that. And it looks—I I just saw the the one screen capture, and I was like, nope, firm pass. Uh, oh, which, which
0: for which sequel?
1: For for the new um, Fifty Shades.
0: Oh, Fifty Shades Freed.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> exactly. Uh, Evan Cardy in Roseville, California, is going to watch Maximum Overdrive tonight, and I say enjoy, enjoy. It's based on an old Stephen King short story, which is you know it's a short story, so you're like, all right, that's that I, a bunch of people. Trapped by trucks, cool. But um for a whole movie it, it it don't it don't work. But uh you got Yardley Smith in there, uh who we all know as Lisa Simpson. So that, Yeah, who that, doesn't
0: love Yardley Smith? Yeah. And also she was uh wasn't she one of the co workers on Herman's Head?
1: Uh she was. She was. Yeah.
0: Um I was gonna say she was one of the voices, but she wasn't.
1: Uh she, yeah, she worked in the office, I think, yeah. And then yeah. Nobody knows what Herman's head is. Jesus Christ. <laughs>
0: um even when the Simpsons made a joke about it like twenty years ago, oh, it was an
1: obscure joke. Yeah. But then uh then you what, what's what's the the Disney one? Um the Disney Inside movie? Out. Inside Out. Yeah. Basically before Inside Out there was Herman's Head. Uh and you've got Emilio Estevez little Emilio Estevez who's gotta be like five four if he's a a mile. Um He's in that movie. I've always liked him, but he's not been in the. He's directed some some clunkers as well. Um,
0: I always wondered why he never took the Sheen name. Why he kind of stayed as an Estevez? I'm not. I don't know what the choice was behind that, but it always struck me as just like an odd choice for him to be like, "I'm I'm going to stay as Emilio." I think that's the winning name.
1: Um, Wait, Emilio? <laughs> like he should have been Fred Estevez. Well, I think Emilio oh. Sheen sounds weird. Charlie Sheen sounds uh, correct. Charlie Estevez sounds weird. So, well,
0: his name's Carlos Estevez, isn't it? So,
1: what, his birth name.
0: Yeah, he's Carlos Estevez, and that's why he's Charlie. Oh, Charlie, Charlie,
1: Sheen. Charlie. I see. I see. So, yeah, uh,
0: but yeah, I I don't know. I don't know what Emilio could have changed his name to that would have
1: Emilio. It was Sheen. Then.
0: Emil, yeah, Emil Sheen. There you go. Yeah, that's a but, that's a name you want to see on a poster.
1: I mean, even though we haven't seen a ton of him, uh, he's had a great career, and it didn't hurt him being Estevez, and probably he didn't want to ride on his father's coattails, you know? Yeah, <laughs> I don't know.
0: I just always—it's just one of those things that kind of strikes me as being weird—is like he made that choice to not
1: go down the Sheen route. Uh, you could argue that. Like, why, did, why did Charlie take a? Why didn't he s- stick with his his given name? I think it's uh, it, it's interesting in this day and age when people do change their name for uh, professional reasons when you've got yeah people like you know I can't pronounce the the woman who, the who was in uh uh Alice in Wonderland you know what what what's her name
0: the, the oh the the Wasikaski.
1: yeah or the one who's yeah. in uh uh who was in Hannah uh, I can't pronounce her name. Uh, Rowan. Whatever you know, but <laughs> but but they didn't. I uh, am good for them for keeping their name. I'm I'm all for that.
0: Um, yeah, and you got like Benedict Cumberbatch. I mean,
1: well, that's funny. Uh,
0: well, yeah, but I, generally, someone would have said to him, "Look, you're going to have to." If he,
1: if he, he had gone, gone with, change. if he had gone with Benny Ortega, I would not buy it. But Benedict Cumberbatch, you have an instant thing in your head of who that is and and he is the offspring of actors so uh they were his parents were fine with cumberbatch so he could be fine with cumberbatch um back to stephen king he in 2013 he made a comment on this message board about this sex scene in in it he said i wasn't really thinking about this of the sexual aspect of it the book dealt with childhood and adulthood uh the grown ups don 't remember their childhood; none of us remember what we did as children. We think we do, but we don 't remember it as it really happened. So maybe Stephen King thought he had sex as, uh, as an eleven year old uh, intuitively the losers uh, the, the the group um, who the all the boys and the girl knew they had to be together again. The sexual act connected childhood and adulthood it 's another version of the glass tunnel that connects the children 's library to the and the adult library. Times have changed since I wrote that scene, and there 's much more. There's now more sensitivity to those issues. I don't know if that. <laughs> I don't know if that really addresses the creepiness of it all. I don't think. I don't think that that works for me. But anyhow, uh, he's still an American treasure. Like him or hate him, he's done some. Uh, he's he's written some uh, real great books: Misery, Dead Zone, and that's about it.
0: <laughs> no, <laughs> i mean i um the only stephen king book that, like he he came out with um the green mile and it was released like monthly uh
1: yeah for, in like, like six, six months yeah six yeah six chapters yeah six little mi- novellas yeah. in a very sort of dickensian way
0: yeah and i i actually bought i bought the first one because i was going on a train journey and i needed something to read and it was like very short so i thought oh well i'll just get this and read it not realizing it was the first of like six parts. Oh, you got empire strike Backed, (laughs) Yeah. And then for like the next six months, then I did kind of like anticipate like, Oh, when's the next one coming back out? And, you know, I think they were over here. They're only like three pounds. So, you know, the price of a magazine. So I was like, well, you know, I may as well. And I, I really enjoyed that. And I enjoyed the, you know, the, the film version, which changed quite a lot of kind of details and lost a few characters and stuff. But, I thought it was, you know, quite a good adaptation. So, um, you know, that's probably one of the other good Stephen King ones as well. Um, but it's a short list. Uh,
1: yeah, I mean, I I appreciate that he um, he does interesting, daring things, and because he happens to be so prolific, he he can be uh, he can afford to experiment, and that's pretty cool. Um, yeah. Unlike George R. R. Martin, who's <laughs> just like I do this one <laughs> thing. <sighs>
0: uh, yeah, and then get kind of sidelined into, I don't know, something, and then not decide not to write that book for years. Um, there's actually a very funny joke in Logan Lucky about I don't know what the name of the neck the book that should have come out a couple of years ago is.
1: Oh, that's um, that's funny.
0: But there is like a there's a there's a there's like a prison riot and one of the demands is um, they they the prisoners say that they want a copy of that book because <laughs> it should have come out two years ago, and the warden has to keep saying to them it, it hasn't come out, and they keep saying well how come these prisoners at this other prison have got a copy of the book and he keeps saying to them no they haven't they've just watched the TV show which is now ahead of the books and it's just this whole kind of I don't know if you've never seen Game of Thrones I'm sure that scene is very confusing but it's really funny how it kind of relies on the idea that George R.R. R. R. Martin didn't deliver a, a book as like a joke in a film. <laughs> um, right. But yeah, it's better delivered than I just
1: done, but. Oh no, that's funny. I like that. Uh, like
0: a really funny gag. Cause you're like, yeah, it kind of, it, it's it's like, it's like a reference, but it doesn't rely on, you know, like if if you, if you don't get it, that there's still a bit of kind of comedy in the way that the prisoners are negotiating with this governor and stuff. Um, but yeah, that was, that was quite fun, uh, in that film.
1: Um, are you, oh, so you, you've heard about the whole mishigas with uh, Trevor, 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 whatever, I can't. <laughs> uh, so he was the director of Star Wars Episode nine, and he was recently fired. Uh, apparently, what rumors did you hear of why he was fired?
0: That basically, he thought he was unfireable, was kind of the, what it boiled down to. That on Jurassic World, he'd been brought in by um, Steven Spielberg himself, so he was kind of untouchable on that film, and that led him to think that he could do that on, on Star Wars. And uh, Kathleen Kennedy apparently doesn't tolerate the same kind of things that they do over at Universal.
1: Aha. Uh, do, do you have opinions about um, Jurassic World?
0: Uh, I mean, I'm not a fan of the franchise, but obviously that film was like a huge, like, it was like a juggernaut a couple of summers back. People seem to forget that, that it was breaking basically every single record. Yeah. And uh, I I went and saw it and I was just like, I don't, I don't. I mean, you know, you have the the dinosaur fight at the end is quite fun. But before that, you're like, I don't, this just seems like, um, you know, much in in the classic kind of itchy and scratchy and poochy. You're always like, when are we going to get to the fireworks factory? And it just <laughs> kind of, you know, by the time you actually get there, you're like, mm, this is a little more disappointing than I was expecting. You know, if you can't make a gigantic dinosaur fighting another gigantic dinosaur fun, uh, then I think you've kind of like lost something.
1: Yeah. Uh, I, I, You know, I don't remember any of the fight scenes in that movie. I don't remember much about the movie. I remember there was a lot of running around. And there's Chris Pratt in the vest. Um, and there's some riding sort of,
0: a bike. Yeah, some, yeah. Some sort of and next there's to a
1: plastic bubble. But like, I do remember the dinosaur fights from King Kong, which I thought were great. Um, but you know, it's a long movie and not a perfect movie. But I certainly remember King Kong a lot more than I remember Jurassic World. Uh, and Colin Trevorrow is a he is this like crazy. Anomaly, And this, we talked about this, uh, the the sort of inherent sexism uh, that went into putting a director who made a a movie for, you know, that was under a million dollars that grossed four million dollars. And then based on that, that one movie is given uh, Jurassic World, um, which, you know, was a couple hundred million dollars or 150 million dollars and... Uh, and it did end up making a lot of money, but meanwhile, Patty Jenkins, after making her movie, which made a lot more money than than Safety Not Guaranteed, Colin Trevorrow's movie, uh, like it took her directing a shitload of TV and you know, working her ass off to get the opportunity to do um, to do Wonder Woman and. Uh, and now and they
0: didn't even sign her to a, They did, when they signed her up for wonder woman, they didn't sign her to a multi-film
1: Right. Because contract, they were doing her a favor. Like, like, yeah. you know, and I just, I, you know, just got released on video recently. So I got it again and I watched it and like, it is really well directed. Like the fight scenes, like, you know, the movie is what it is and I enjoyed it and, and there was a lot of good stuff in there, but the, the, the action scenes are spectacular in that movie. Um, uh, did you, do you do agree Wonder Woman this is Yeah Wonder Woman yeah
0: Yeah uh I mean I I I liked it but not as much as I think other people liked it and I you know I thought some of the stuff I mean Gal Gadot obviously you know was great in the Fast and Furious so um you know I was always going to like her uh but to me some of the kind of plot stuff felt like it oh, yeah. just kind of came out of nowhere and you were just like you know but yeah i i think that that when she runs through no man's land and goes into the village and then you know they take down the sniper and the, you know that sequence is really good but right, right. i think you have to go through a lot to get to that point but <laughs> and, so, and it but feels we, a bit of a slog to me
1: but from a director's standpoint we you remember like the opening scene in paradise island and whatever they call it uh, yeah. uh that that action scene and then the no man's land scene those are just like those are very visually like well directed. I don't remember anything about uh, Jurassic World being as um, as memorable. And uh, sure enough, Colin Trevorrow he directed a, a movie. Uh, oh wait, was he? Oh, I'm totally yeah. So what did didn't he direct another movie? The uh, oh, it was The Book of Henry, right? Book of Henry. Yeah, yeah. The Book of Henry in Which between. Which got. It panned, and it just looks unwatchable. Un- um, oh no! It's, yeah, yeah I, I'm I'm mixing up my movies, but it did get panned. Um, um, yeah, I, and I it was 10
0: million, million, and it only made four million, so you know it lost money.
1: And it gave uh, uh, Kathleen Kennedy some leverage to get rid of Colin Trevorrow. Uh, <laughs>
0: yeah, I guess. Um, and i mean, Funny enough, it had um, the the lead.
1: Oh, uh, what? Oh, hold on, just a second. Um, experiencing technical difficulties. I think kid in it as well. Jacob Tremblay was the star of that. Are you there?
0: No, no. But in Book of Henry, right? The star is is the the kid who's also the star in it as well. He plays Bill in it.
1: Oh, okay. Oh,
0: Jacob Tremblay's in. Book of Henry. Oh, but he's, but he's not.
1: He's not, he's not he's Henry. So uh, you, you saw Book of Henry?
0: No, I just know how to Google stuff really quickly. <laughs> <laughs> he was also the ki- he was also the kid in Saint Vincent and Midnight Special, both of which I've seen as well. That's why I kind of remembered this kid because um, uh-huh. he's really good in it. Because you know, uh, essentially, he's he's the kid who at the very beginning loses his brother, and so he kind of has to carry the kind of emotional weight of of the film for kind of most of the runtime. So, um, oh.
1: but yeah,
0: he's, he's really good, but yeah, I guess Booker Henry was kind of the excuse that they needed to, to, to kind of get rid of Trevor. Oh uh,
1: well, I mean, that's, I, I do, I probably, well, everyone's entitled to failure, of course, but, uh, it, it's a bummer that he got fired. Uh, nobody likes that. Um, but he, uh, is he was replaced um, by J.J. Abrams, so J.J. Abrams is coming back for episode um, episode nine, and yeah. that I'm okay with that.
0: I mean, they also replaced the the directors on the Han Solo film as well. Sure, so
1: sure. Kathleen, Kathleen
0: Kennedy's got you know billions of dollars of you know this this one section of the Disney Empire at her fingertips and obviously she you know needs to kind of make the decisions to make sure that it doesn't go off the rails at any point you know something that you know in the 80s you end up with i don't know Caravan of Courage and you know <laughs> so so she's i guess she's trying to stop this from turning into Caravan of Courage or whatever
1: What's Caravan of Courage?
0: The Ewok movies.
1: Oh Jesus. Oh yeah. No, I think <laughs> I, yeah like I I the whole um the whole Disney World and uh, and the Star Wars world is all about controlling your brand, and I think that it's important to um, to protect it. And I totally yeah. get it, and that's why, like you know, they're never going to be like they're always going. There's always going to be an aspect of product to the Star Wars movies, and it, they're enjoyable because we, they make us think of our childhood, and and they they're well done. So well, yeah, the, the first. Well,
0: I mean, the thing is, first, even at this point, you know, three, like. I've got friends who've got kids and their childhood was the prequels. So, you know, it it works on two levels. You know, if you're, if you're kind of like older, you think of the original films. If you're younger, you think of the prequels. Right. Uh, Give it a, give it a few years and there'll be kids who'll be nostalgic for force awakens.
1: Right. Um, Right. Um, Darren, I realize I know so little about you. Do you want to talk about your, your, um, your background at all?
0: uh <laughs> That's i mean it in what sense Marty? in what sense
1: i i i don't know um where where are you right now i'm at home okay
0: um i i have a flat okay um that i guess if you're american might be i i mean if i say the projects that sounds weird but it's um it's it's council housing essentially okay so it's owned by my council and i i rent this flat from them
1: Okay. Um, and uh, and you have your podcast, and how do you spend the rest of your time?
0: Uh, I mean, I go to the cinema quite a lot. I mean, all the films that I mentioned earlier, I saw all those at the cinema this summer. So, <laughs> uh-huh.
1: um,
0: you know, um, and, uh, you know, I, I keep up to date with uh, various pop culture things. I mean, I listen to quite a few podcasts, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh and you know i uh aside from you know making podcasts as well um you know
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh i i don't know it's it's weird to try and think of exactly what i do in my life right um well aside I mean, from consume pop culture
1: that that is um it's a a noble pastime um yeah. unless you're my wife and you think i'm wasting my time uh <laughs> but okay that that's that works for me. And have you? Uh, which which uh, Smodco podcast do you listen to? Oh, we just lost you. Um, well run machine. Well, uh,
0: I mean, edge. I mean, I did have. Yeah, and I did. I, I. mean, there were a few that I, uh, you know, that have now become defunct that I used to listen to, but. Uh, Those are the main ones, you know, it's mostly, you know, the mothership and and education.
1: Ah, okay. Uh, Um, Very cool. And have you ever met Kevin? uh,
0: No, but I did. I've seen him like live twice, which considering I'm not in the country he lives is, you know, a reasonable accomplishment. Um, About 10 years ago, he did a show in London at the Prince Charles Theatre. Mm-hmm. And I went to that with a friend of mine and that was just, that was literally just him standing in front of an audience for like, you know, two hours just talking.
1: Um, yeah, it's a, it's a real skill. And yeah. yeah. And
0: then when red state was out, there was like, um, a, you know, he did a small tour and, uh, at one of the cinemas near to me, they had like, um, you know, a, a, like a, a screening of it and he attended and, you know, took questions afterwards for, you know, about, about 45 minutes an hour, something like that. So, Uh, I've seen him kind of in the flesh live twice. Um, but neither of those did. I mean, I think with the, when I saw him at the cinema, basically he literally had to go to another city the next day. So as soon as it finished, he was out of the door. Um, Uh and with the, the one in London, I think I had to get a train back. So I couldn't really kind of stay afterwards and try and speak to him. Um, so, you know, I've seen him live a couple of times, but I've, I've never got close enough to, Uh, you know, beat him.
1: Right. And are you excited about the Jan's Island Bob reboot?
0: Uh, yeah. I mean... That's I, an, I think, a
1: rousing endorsement you know, from Darren Huston. <laughs> I, th-
0: I think the thing is, you know, obviously he, you know, Kevin has a habit of announcing a lot of different projects one after the other. And then you have to just kind of see which ones actually get made.
1: Oh, um, like so, which one didn't get made that, that he...
0: Well, I mean, Clerks 3, Walmart 2... You know, there, are, there have been a couple in the last few years that he's kind of announced. I mean, the the hockey one. I'm I'm trying to remember what it was called. Um, that you know, obviously was going to be a miniseries and it didn't get made.
1: Oh, uh, well, this is the way of Hollywood, and the fact that there's a yeah. mic in front of him, uh, like 20 <laughs> hours a day, and he uh, and he is cognizant of that and and uses that time to speak. Uh, it's not surprising that some things that he he's Said uh, have not come full into uh, fruition.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, you know, once I see more details of it, I mean, I saw, you know, like I I said, I saw Red State, like, you know, at the cinema. Um, You know, uh, uh, if there's, I mean, with some of his films, they, you know, like um, Tusk and and, um, Yoga Hoses never got kind of distribution over here, so I didn't get a chance to see them at the cinema. But I have.
1: You poor thing.
0: Tusk. I haven't seen Yoga Hoses yet. Um you know so I continue to support his 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 filmmaking but right. I think the thing is he's so prolific as a as a podcaster that that's you know that seems to be like his main output these days
1: constant content um yeah yeah no um I think queer now has a case to move to uh England <laughs> Yeah
0: right. uh I guess you know, I mean I I I mean I I think the thing is, as soon as there's more details of what the, because, you know, when it was announced, it sounded just like it was going to poke fun at all the reboots and remakes and stuff. And it's like, well, that's a fun idea. But, you know, what is the rest of the film going to be? You know, (laughs) I really enjoyed um, Jane and Silent Bob Strike Back whenever that was out, which was what like almost 16 years ago, something like that. Jesus Christ.
1: Yeah, I was at the premiere for that.
0: Yeah, Mm -hmm. so, you know, I, uh, and so, you know, and obviously that has the time at the end, so I was automatically going to like it. Um, And, and, you know, him trying to get the rights to some Prince songs, you know, obviously led to that great Prince story. Oh,
1: that's a a fantastic story. Yeah. Yeah,
0: you know, so uh, he's a Prince fan, so I'm not going to not like Kevin Smith, you know, right.
1: Just just
0: generally, when he announced stuff, you kind of.
1: All somebody has to do is be a Prince fan for you to like them. So somebody just like. You know, murders your whole family and and <laughs> like plows down an orphanage, but they were listening to Purple Rain while they were doing it. So you know, how bad could I, they be?
0: I mean, if they were listening to the sign of the times, then maybe I'll forgive them. But uh, I mean purple rain, maybe they'd have to go to prison for that. I mean,
1: <laughs> maybe. Uh yeah. Well, Darren, I it's uh didn't mean to pry into your personal life, but uh I am curious because you are a, a very large part of this this uh amazing uh, nooner empire that we have going here um, me in front of two empty chairs uh, <laughs> but we really one of
0: p- one of those is for who is it that you leave a chair for
1: oh um, um, yeah yeah <laughs> we're both like madly typing um, yeah um, for Elijah. Well, I mean
0: I guess one's empty for Kruger and the other's for whoever that guy is
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes whoever that guy is the Whoever that guy, guy is. the fucking guy <laughs> who ate bad fruit uh yeah, and oh, and for anybody listening, we also tried to to recruit uh will Wilkins this morning, but he is on mental bed rest, I forget what he called it, but uh so he couldn't make it. he had to rest his brain, so uh hope you got a good rest will wilkins um and uh Darren. I think we're going to wrap up a little early, but uh, I want, in addition to thanking uh, you for all your help all these years, uh, uh want to thank you for jumping in and helping me out in this time of need. I was going to have a 20-minute podcast, and here we had a lovely conversation about so many different things, um, and it's no nice. No problem.
0: To- it saves me just kind of frantically tweeting them at you.
1: I oh, yeah. I can actually say them in person. Yeah. Uh, have you seen Dave Made a Maze yet? If and I'm saying that to you and to everybody listening, it's a challenge. You have to go see it, uh, or you can get it, download it. Probably hasn't come to England yet.
0: No, there was. Um, I have. I mean, I've been a, obviously, you know, a fan of the Dave Made the Maze, uh, like uh, Facebook. Dave Made the Maze. Dave Made a Maze uh, Facebook page. Like since you know, it's kind of inception. And there was a thing on there about there being like a premiere in Manchester, I think, which. Um, Due to the times, I'm just not able to get up there to see it. Uh-huh. Um, but you know, as soon as it's available, I will definitely purchase it and uh, and watch it. Um, you know, because obviously hearing hearing Bill talk about it for the last uh, I don't know four, five, six, seven, eight years yeah, <laughs> of a long
1: yeah, um, you I feel takes.
0: obligated to at least see the result. It, it is uh, amazing, and I've seen a lot of positive press for it. Everyone yeah. seems to love it. So, yeah, you know,
1: yeah, I don't think you'll be disappointed. Um, yeah. So uh, it was really fun chatting with you. And um, are you looking forward to anything? What movie are you next looking forward to seeing?
0: Um, I'm trying to think what's out this week because, you know, obviously it has been kind of like uh, dominated everyone's thoughts. Um, And I'm sure there's some stuff out this Friday and I'm frantically.
1: I know. I can tell you what's coming out this weekend.
0: Mother. Uh, Mother. Yeah, mother. Uh, No, no, no. It's Mother.
1: There's an exclamation <laughs> point at the end and I didn't hear you say it. You might you might be mentioning the uh the Korean film by uh uh whatever, Bong joon Ho or whatever. Director Bong. <laughs> uh which yeah. I don't know if you know heard. the guy you're talking about. Yeah, that movie's awesome. That the uh, yeah. Yeah. I
0: think I think I think there's just Mother and um, there's also uh American Assassin. Um which has got, um, what's-his-face, out of Spider-Man. Um, Michael Keaton
1: is uh-huh. in that. and um, Yeah, when I th- so- think about Michael Keaton, I'm like, Spider-Man. No, he's Batman. Un-
0: he's Beetlejuice. Un- because it's like the second Michael Keaton film I'll be seeing this year, so that's why it's in my head.
1: Ah, uh okay well we'll we'll talk about those and all sorts of other pop culture things um oh shit I didn't get to the mail sack do you want to send, do you, can you spare a couple minutes for the mail sack
0: Yeah sure I, you know the thing is Marty you know I always plan to spend 2 hours on Tumblr while this show is on so, so I have oh. at least 29 more minutes um uh, you know of free time already uh allotted for this so Right um, yeah, you can go
1: to the mail sack. All right. Look at me. I'm going to the mail sack. Uh, it's it'll, it's pretty quick. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, Bruce. Oh, so this is Bruce's. Um, Bruce is in Korea, South Korea. And he said, I just watched Dave Made a Maze and was very entertained. The opening credits are awesome and the casting is great. Bill said in interviews that movies of our childhood like Goonies and Labyrinth were an inspiration and it has a nice balance of creepy and a lot of humor. Uh, It reminded me of eternal sunshine of the spotless-minded being John Malkovich with a fantasy horror element of Pan's Labyrinth. Three of my favorite movies. Wow, that's high praise. The best portrayal is Mira uh, Kumbani's Annie who is believable and sympathetic. My favorite part of the story is when they turn into paper puppets. Oh, spoiler. Uh, But uh, most of all, the sets are very imaginative. And Peter WG says, you're welcome. Uh, as a stay-at-home dad, I don't get to the theater often. The last three movies I've seen on iTunes are Her, Before Midnight, and Dave Made a Maze. And um, all three are very much recommended. I think I'm the only one who likes Linklater's Before series more than Boyhood. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know.
0: I feel like, I feel like the Before series is... Fairly well reviewed.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, Boyhood is, is is so long, and and I I think they're they're both they're both good. They're all good. All four are good. Uh, Marty, I respectfully disagree with your assessment of acupuncture. It has helped my wife, my wife, uh, with a bad sprain, <laughs> and me for a bad knee and TMJ. Even our orthopedic uh, doctor recommended it as a supplemental treatment, not primary, which uh, with which I agree. Also, a friend in taekwondo was in a tournament match and did a side and was and that caught the. Uh, uh, that caught against the other guy's leg bone and it sent the bottom half of my friend's leg swinging terribly past the point of straight leg. Uh, oof. Surgery was recommended. Uh, instead he did acupuncture and it was cured without surgery. Well, or else it healed itself. I mean that, that would be the alternate explanation of that. Uh, it's not yeah. for everyone and everybody and the practitioner must be well-trained. Um, I know the placebo effect might have played a role in some of these examples, but, um, But also the results are what they are. That's true. All in all, I don't buy into homeopathic remedies at all. But I do recommend the needles and electricity in certain instances. Fair enough. Fair enough. But I, you know, I, I'm somebody who, um, when it comes to medical um, issues, I, I buy into uh, double-blind studies, and that's that's a very good way to evaluate something. And I've yet to be convinced uh, that acupuncture uh w- would work for me so but to each their own and
0: i mean i would say um from a uh, from an english perspective obviously we have the national health service
1: which does um, not fund homeopathy anymore
0: no but also if someone was like i got some acupuncture on the nhs i'd be like that seems like a very big waste of money considering that you know people need drugs for cancer you know so
1: yeah uh, uh, if yeah. you want to
0: pay for it yourself that's fine but
1: I mean, I feel like if you're going to have an NHS, then you fund things that are medically proven to work. And there's strict yeah. things that show that what works and doesn't. Uh, and then, but then that's sort of politics that come into play. Uh, but maybe, maybe they're going by some studies that I haven't read. So I I don't know the NHS system well enough, or frankly, I don't know acupuncture well enough. I just know what I've seen and I've tried it and it did not. Uh, Help me for my particular um, mental ailment. Uh, And uh, so maybe I should try it more. Um, Steve Owens of uh, Texas, San Antonio, he says, "Um, you asked why people protest a week or two ago. I think that people used to protest as a means to affect and effect change, to right social injustices. Now I think people protest so that they can be seen and so that they can be seen and then also be seen as, uh, enlightened. Um, it turns ridiculous very quickly these days. For instance, that Occupy Wall Street nonsense a few years ago where multimillionaires were having their drivers drop them off a block away so they could join the protest and be seen, uh, as super progressive. Uh, did you go to the protest is the new, will you read my screenplay? Um, Charlottesville was like 50, people or something being assholes, and even though it was the smallest of a percentage of subhuman dirtbags, all of a sudden we have a real big race problem in this country. Not just Charlottesville, but several groups of racist bags have popped up so they can be famous, but it's still an infinitesimal amount of people. Uh, The same people who are quick to remind us that not all Muslims are terrorists, and, and not all fill in the group, are criminals or lazy or whatever are the same group that is consistently outraged by the overwhelming racism in this country. Uh, I did not vote for Orange McFucko for president, but I find it hard to believe that uh, McFucko was elected only because there are so many racists. Uh, Yet there weren't enough racists to keep uh, President Obama, who I did vote for, from being elected, not once but twice. Uh, I just don't get how the math works. And everyone The math
0: works because he lost by three million votes, but he still got in because of the crazy way that Americans elect their presidents. That's how the math works.
1: Uh that's a very good point. Yeah, and uh, and the, I I think the the scary thing is that racism racists are getting this much airtime, and I think we've discussed how everybody's a little bit racist, and and not just me, but it's been sung on Broadway. Um and when we when we have the president saying no it's it's okay to be a little racist you know you you're just you're just carrying a tiki torch, you're not hurting anybody, then that makes it okay for people to embrace that and and there are these bubbles out there that are get- ex- getting bigger and bigger uh there are more racist rallies than there were two years ago, you know or five eight years ago so it is something to, to worry about and something you want to nip in the bud and and get rid of like you know you know, it's like if you're if you're uh, your significant other said I think we should experiment in poo you know, like you'd be like nope nope out you just got to stop it early you can't entertain and be like oh well you know what that's an interesting interesting uh, picadillo you have you know we're all perverts no 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 poop no poop uh, and the same thing with racism. So, I am yes. That, that.
0: I mean, the the upside has been that, you know, like the, you know, like a GoDaddy stopped hosting the Daily Stormer and, you know, a bunch of those people who did march out in the open without hoods on lost their jobs or, you know, lost their place in college. You know, like the it was shown that there was a consequence to, to being openly racist, which is, you know, you don't get to have your website hosted somewhere it, exactly. and you don't get to have a job right. and you know you can be openly racist if you want but there are but going the, to be consequences. Right.
1: This is a consequence of you, the free speech that you're demanding. And that that's I think a good thing coming out of it. As as for protests being a, a trendy thing to do, I think that's always been the case. There there are people who just get swept up in in everything. Everything becomes sort of fashionable like you know back in the the Vietnam War era, I'm sure a lot of people were there because the 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 cool people were protesting and and it adds to the numbers it gives a greater voice so that's fine but I think the people who are at the forefront of these protest movements are people who are genuinely passionate especially um, yeah and it's just as they were back in the civil rights movement in the anti-war movement in the the women's suffrage movement um, but not everybody had that same Depth of knowledge and fervency, uh, and some were just doing it because that that was seemed fashionable at the time. Uh, I think with the Occupy Wall Street movement, as fervent as those leaders were, in they just didn't have a strong goal in mind. Uh, and I think fighting for the woman's right to vote or fighting to end a war is is very clear. Um, and I, I think we're some of these protests are not well formed because it's like you know Trump is as an asshole is not really the basis of a, a strong protest movement. Um, but I
0: think I mean I think I think in terms of protests, you're right. You do need to have an end goal. You do need to have something that you're protesting in favor of rather than protesting against because that's that's how you know
1: if you can promote that back change a like
0: hundred years. Yeah, if you go back like 100 years, you know, there were so many people that I know who wouldn't have had the vote because, you know, they didn't own land or they they weren't a man or they weren't over the age of 35 or. And so each of those things only change because of uh, people protesting. You know, you don't you don't get people agreeing that everyone should be equal because, you know, they just suddenly wake up one day and go, oh, well, let's just change all the laws and make that happen. Right. You know, each each thing comes from a protest and it's kind of incremental. But you're right. If you have nothing to if you have nothing to protest for and you're just protesting against something, it's a lot harder to kind of persuade people of exactly what your goal is.
1: Right. Right. And so it's, it's interesting. Like a lot of these, these protests are sort of hard, to, harder to, uh, they're, they're more complex, you know, fighting against big banks is not something like fighting for the right to vote. Like those are really complicated issues that require some education. Uh, and so that, I think, is going to be harder. Um, and and some of these issues are more divisive, like single-payer health care or, or whatever, universal health care, which is gaining steam that there are a lot of arguments for and against. And it's not a simple human rights issue like end apartheid, you know. Um, so yeah. so we'll we'll see what happens and I think you know it it's up to us as citizens to to be very informed and and interested in these things. Steve also goes on to say um, that his daughter bought him Ready Player 1 by Ernest Cline and I really enjoyed it. So I reached out to the publisher if he would let me interview him for my podcast Fascination Street since he lives in Austin and they ran it by his team and they were going to politely decline. Uh Okay, two couple things there. Did you read Ready, Ready Player One? Me? Yeah. No. Okay. Uh you should. It's 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 a easy read. It's all about pop culture. Really um really fun fun book and it promises to be a interesting movie directed by Steven Spielberg. Um I think there's some uh teaser footage out there and uh this goes back to what I've said about Steve Owens is, uh, that he's a fearless guy. And, you know, he reached out to the publisher and what's the worst that could happen to get him on his podcast. The worst that can happen is he could politely decline, um, that he didn't suffer for it in any sort of social way. He did no restraining orders. Uh, he just put it out there and it got shot down. And I think that's how uh, we should all approach parts of our lives, you know, um, uh, that's how you find romance. That's how you you uh, you you get guests on your podcast. That's how you uh, advance your career. You take chances, and what's the worst that could happen? Um,
0: Ready Player One was actually shot um, about ten miles down the road from me.
1: Oh, did you hang out there? Did you ask no. Steven Spielberg to be on your Prince podcast?
0: <laughs> no, you are a I failure. But when when I see the film, I'll probably be like, oh, that was shot near me. You know, so that's about as much as I can say.
1: Ah. And then um, Steve goes on again and he says, uh, remember how Harvey was coming for Texas and people were panicking as far as Austin? Uh, Well, as I hear it, an employee got worried uh, about Harvey and moved one of the smokers inside to be safe but it wasn't completely extinguished, and Austin's famous Franklin's Barbecue caught fire and will be closed until further notice. Um, Darren, I'm sure you don't know about Franklin's, but it's a, uh, a countrywide famous barbecue place in Austin, Texas, that has that the juiciest. What, you know what? Adele has even been there. She lives down the street <laughs> from me, right? Um, but yes, it's that famous. Uh, and
0: Franklin's barbecue.
1: Franklin's barbecue. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So uh, that's a tragedy, but thank goodness no one was hurt. Um, but that's a bummer because uh, that, uh, from what I hear, I tried to go, but it was closed when I went. Um, it it's some damn good barbecue. Uh, okay. Now we are at the end. Um, so you plugged which movies you're going to see next, Mother, and uh, what was the other one you're going to see?
0: Um, uh, American Assassin
1: uh, that's right and
0: I've already seen American Made so I'm just making my way through all the various American films this year
1: I will be doing uh, a one man show at the dog park where I throw a ball and the dog gets it and returns <laughs> it and I throw it again uh, that is a free show that will be happening um, very soon so please anybody who wants to come watch that it, it sounds boring, it sounds repetitive and we'll leave it at that. Uh, so, Darren, <laughs> thank you again. Uh, please, everybody, fill our sack. That's noonerpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, Evan, enjoy Maximum Overdrive uh, tonight if you can, if that's even possible. Uh, let us know what you think of that. And um, we'll try to get some more uh, face live faces in here uh, who haven't eaten bad fruit or have uh, too many. So who schedules a meeting on a Tuesday morning when you know you're supposed to be here to <laughs> you, Steve Kruger, uh, and uh, hope you recover well, Mickey and uh, Will Wilkins. And we will see you next Tuesday. Thanks, Darren.
0: If that oh. bust, that
1: bus, hit That
0: bus,
1: that's the Hit that
0: Oh yeah.
1: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. This has been a production of Smodco Internet Radio.